What's good, y'all? Welcome to another episode of The Rock Report. I'm Cordell Rocks. Got Cab with me. Yo, yo. Back again, y'all. Um, just want to drop some knowledge, man. You know, we had a conversation earlier just talking about um, the black community, man, and, you know, how we have this this sad victim mentality, you know, and, and you know, uh, Candace Owen is now like a pioneer, you know, for like, you know, black conservatives, not saying that I'm one, but I, I kind of like agree with them and I think a lot like them. So, but she's become a pioneer and a voice for that community. So, you know, me and Cab just kind of expanded on some concepts, man. I just, you know, just wanted to talk about it, man. First um, of all, I'm going to give a shout out to the beautiful Miss Candace Owens, a real black woman, not like these funky hoes out here being victims. Baby, I got to give a shout out to you. You inspired me. So just had to get that out of her. We appreciate you, Candace. We appreciate you for keeping it real because, um, you know, I've been watching, like, a lot of those Vox uh, videos on YouTube, and I realize, you know, that's still, like, control media. Like, those those media outlets are still trying to control the narrative. So, um, you know, we hear a lot of comments about what Trump is up to and, you know, just, just what he's trying to do. And like Candace said, you know, it's starting to become a community around, you know, trying to, like, trash Trump's name. It's like, like a cult. It's a cult. Like, it's a cult around y'all want... Everybody wants to hate this guy. He's the new point your finger. Like, you remember the uh, scene from Scarface when he says, go ahead, say goodnight to the bad guy. Y'all need people like me just to point your fingers. And that's true. Everybody wants somebody to blame because we've been taught to blame since we was a kid except blaming ourselves. As much as, you know, our parents would say, you know, you got to be responsible, but they do it themselves too. And, like, I see Trump has not done anything past any legislation that has affected my life directly or indirectly. I have no reason to hate that man. Do I got my honest criticisms of him? Yeah. But overall, I think he's just, he's brutally honest. And with being brutally honest, you're going to get hatred. And people are going to try to blame you for every little thing that they're not doing themselves. I just say, what's the point of hating on somebody that set a goal and then accomplished that goal? You know, when Trump was 24 years old, he said in an interview that he would probably be the president one day. Yep. And for somebody to have, you know, have the nerve to even say something like that and then accomplish that goal, it's like you could do the same thing. You have the same power. But here's the difference. You know, Trump's, uh, you know, his family pastor was Norman Vincent Peale. And for y'all, those of y'all who don't know who Norman Vincent Peale is, he wrote the book called The Power of Positivity. So if your family pastor is this guy who is preaching the power of positive thinking. What the fuck kind of product is that going to produce? If, right. if you consuming this content as a kid coming up, and this is the guy who's coaching you every week. So um, obviously he built Trump Trump's mentality, or he helped contribute to that mentality outside of Trump's father, who made a lot of money and probably instilled a certain you know certain amount of values in him. So it's like I can't hate on that man, dude. You know what I'm saying for just for just going after it at the end of the day, like. You know, like, um, you know, the, the last video I seen on Vox was talking about, um, you know, a lot of shit that he was trying to cover up with Biden. Like yeah, with the Joe Biden, Biden situation. And uh huh. And, but uh, but what about what Joe Biden was up to and what his son just got, you know, uh, caught for supposedly being in a D.C. strip club smoking crack. So, yeah, there's good reason to investigate this man and his son. Crack. Is this the people that we want running for? president you can say what you want about trump but like i say like look at other people they're not perfect what because they can lie and hide about it yeah so it's like you know um you know how like religion like back in the days we go back 100 200 years if you had a different religion than me 
that's basically like, bro, you would die. You got to die. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, Christians go to war all the time. So it's like, I heard a serious quote that said, all war is because of religion. It don't have to necessarily be directly because of, like, the religion we was taught coming up. Mm-hmm. But if I have a certain belief about the world and you have another belief, then that's still, like, a religious clash. For instance, Galileo, he mm-hmm. said that the earth was not the center of the universe. That was religion back then to believe that it was. So that's just what people went along with. And when he, you know, came with a different idea, a different opinion, they imprisoned him for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like... It's just bound to happen at some point. Like, our ideologies will clash eventually, and this brought up the topic. You know, I mentioned that, you know, I hate that LeBron James and Trump don't get together, and then you mentioned something interesting about the fact that, um, you know, they are, you know, LeBron has been brainwashed to a degree to just kind of believe, like, what they put out there, you know what I'm saying? It's, um, you know, the new religion that, the only two real religions that exist now in the world is the religions of the haves and the have-nots. For a lot of my life, you know, as a lot of black people are, and, you know, I got to speak about this, we've been brainwashed by uh, liberalism, Democrats. You know, um, is there corruption, you know, wealth inequality and all this stuff? Yeah, a lot of these things do exist in the world, but it all comes down to the decisions we make. And I can remember vividly just how it was slipped into my mind, as especially as a black boy, about how, you know, it's always hard for me. I got a target on my back. You're not going to make it to the age of 21, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, this is the religion I was raised under, the religion of being a victim. But as I got older and up until just a few years ago, you know, I was real with it. Hey, we got to burn down the White House. We got to do all this shit. But then I start researching, reading other pieces of literature, and I realized it's all a fucking lie. Like, there has to be balance. I'm not going to say that everything that the left talks about is quote-unquote wrong but it's damn sure it's not all right because I, I just did a video about it i said look at the end of the day this is your life if you claim you want to have a good life for your family and you want to have money you got to make those those hard choices and the only difference between the rich and the poor or with with blacks is that we blame everybody else and we're not willing to make the hard decisions like we go and support uh the liquor store who is um and when I say this, I'm just being, it's a business. You know, we will support Arab-owned business store, uh, liquor stores that sell chips, candy, and juice, all shit that's bad for us. But then we want to march and protest and support organizations like Black Lives Matter on the world of Detroit. And we do all these protests, but we still ain't got nowhere. But y'all can't come and give $20, get 100 people together in your family to get $20 a week, but y'all spend with other, other races. But then y'all say, we're going to march and scream about it, which does nothing. This isn't 1950 no more. Protesting don't, doesn't do a damn thing. I can see myself out there all. just, we want, like, bro, you, you can do something. It's something that you can do as an individual to make your life better and, 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 and live the life that you're trying to live and rather be a mindless marcher out there, you know, trying to fight for justice like like Martin Luther King in mm-hmm. front of you or something. Like, like y'all, have to, y'all have to change, man. Y'all got to get out of that, dude. It's like. Like, I mean, I, I get it, though. Like, if you need an excuse, yeah, then that's the go-to. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to blame the president. I'm going to blame just the way the economy. I'm, especially if I need an excuse. But when you get out of excuse-making mode and you get an execution mode and you realize there's really really nothing stopping you but yourself. Because that's your identity. Like I say, like, with the, the religion of being a victim that most people live by, 78% of Americans live check to check, people with degrees and everything, it's the religion of being a victim. And with religion comes identity. 
And when you have an identity and when you're presented with stuff that challenges that identity with all the proof and facts and statistics, like I never forget, I hear so many black women say, I don't believe in science and you got that off the internet. They just don't, or so many black people don't want to accept the brutal, honest, analytical data that look. Blacks kill each other at a higher rate than any other race because of a toxic thug culture, and we don't want to, uh, no, quote unquote, no snitching. We have the worst spending habits, the worst health. It's because of our choices. It, it's because it's so simple. It's because it's just like people think that it has to be some deep, dark conspiracy as to why my life is horrible and I got these three kids and I can't provide for myself. No, it's because you ain't even no conspiracy. It's, it's your choices. And that's the difference between the rich and the poor. The rich take responsibility for their choices and they do things about it. The poor don't. And that's why I'll be the first to say it right now. Poor people are, for the most part, unless you unless you are a quadriplegic, was born with some like Down syndrome or some mental disorder that you are just incapacitated or something, yeah, you may not have been born with the same opportunities as somebody's in gross point, but if you ain't got none of those other like no disabilities, none of that, God damn it, you can do something about it, and it's nobody's fault but your own. Like I say, if you born poor, that is not your fault. But if you stay poor and you and you 40 and you still poor, working at a factory job, it's your fault, and I have no sympathy for you. Absolutely not, because, like I say, I, we did the math earlier. Let's say you have 100 people in your family, right? Everybody contributes $20 a week. Out of 100 people, that's $2,000 a week. 52 weeks in a year, that's over $100,000. You can set up a fund for the new children that's going to be born. Y'all can invest in some real estate, some stocks, some bonds, some CDs, and a new business and still have money left over with just $20 a week. You spend that on weed and Hennessy with the dope man, but you can't contribute nothing to your own family so that's all secure. So, like, what do you think you know? is what do you think is the thing that stops uh, outside of media, you know, having that real influence over our culture, what do you think is the thing that really stops, you know, black families from really uniting in that way, like a financial unity type of thing? Like, well, one thing is, um, the main thing I was watching an interview with Patrick but David. Shout out to Patrick but David. Um, he was having an interview with Ray Dalio, billionaire uh, hedge fund manager, and they were talking about the difference between how the U.S. looks at economics and how the Chinese look at economics and how they run their economy. And he said it's simple. The Chinese, they base all their economic policies off of the family unit. It's all about the family. In America, we focus too much on the individual. Individuals are important. We need those individuals to you know, step outside the box, to make the hard sacrifices, and start the businesses. But it has to all go back to the unit. Like me and you, we doing this podcast together. I'm helping you out. You helping me out with my content and my brand. One of our homies come over, we help each other out because we all a unit and we in this together. Because this is all about being one organism. We're all one, regardless of skin color, race, color, creed. We're all one. And we realize that. The Chinese realize that. With black people, we don't realize, like, look, we are all one thing. Yeah, Look, my last name is Billings. Your last name is Rock. But you my family. And I understand if I help you out, I'm going to be good, too. It's altruism and it's being selfish. At the same time, like I say, like we all put money in together and we generate this $100,000 a year. We all putting this in. Every single person is going to benefit, but it all comes back to us as one. We're going to give each other jobs. We ain't got to go. We ain't got to go beg for for no jobs or we ain't got to stand outside GM and beg them to get a new contract with the UAW. We doing this and we're not at the mercy of other people. That's the simple difference. We don't realize look, we all one. And we have our own family problems, but if we don't help each other out, none of us gonna survive. This brings me to the topic of like and, and this is a huge one, sacrifice. 
like as an entrepreneur like you need to understand that this is not glamorous it's not glamorous at all like wealth itself is not glamorous like i was reading a millionaire next door and they mentioned that if you were to pretty much like watch a documentary about millionaires it'd be the most boring thing you've ever seen on tv mm-hmm. because their lifestyles are so disciplined that it's not a lot of real excitement there it's a lot of sacrifice involved so 12 hour days yeah exactly and so it's like you really giving up a lot of luxuries <coughs> like you mentioned the fact that you know we work these jobs and we decide that we got the nerve to like oh you know what I'm gonna eat at this restaurant today. I'm gonna go grab me some. Spend ten dollars. E- spend ten dollars every day instead of meal prepping man. or eating at home. Man, and, man, man, fuck. And it's pride. I feel like uh, you were asking me like, well, hold back as black people is uh, I thought about this. This was scary when it came to me. Is that, you know, the main thing about that happened with us as Africans here and being slaves, we don't want to. We'll talk all this stuff about how we was kings and queens. One thing we got to accept that, yeah, those kings and queens, uh, they sold us into slavery, and they was benefiting, too, back in the day, and it was a business transaction that went wrong. Like, Europeans, they didn't say we're going to sure. make them all slaves, but we don't want to accept that it happened and that we play a role in our own destruction. Me, I, I accept, like, look, yeah, I my ancestors, it, it happened. They needed They it, needed to. It, it, they, it, they thought they needed to do it. It, it, it happened. Cause like it, I say, it's, it's too late to wish it, wish it away. We don't want to accept it. Look, this shit happened, but look. The problem is we focus so much on that. Like I say, it's a victim. But look, it's 2019. You got access to the Internet the same way I got access to the Internet. I can go look up some shit about money-saving strategies and how to invest in real estate. Like me, I, I'm a stockholder. I own multiple shares in Ford, uh, T-Mobile, Planet Fitness, uh, and Kroger. These are all brands I use. I figure that shit. I get enough uh, shares of these companies. I got some say so. Me and my brothers got shares of these companies. I'm going to go to those shareholders and say, look, put some more healthy products in y'all store. Right. I ain't got to go protest outside y'all shit. I ain't got to burn y'all shop down. How am I going to get food then? Because, look, uh, I'm not about to take the time to learn how to farm. I'm going to get somebody else to do that. And I appreciate the fact about the world we live in. There's always somebody willing to do what you're not willing to do. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, makes it easier. Matter of fact, it's a fucking dead possum outside in the street. And I was just thinking to myself that, man, I appreciate the universe for providing that for me. Like, providing the things, the places where I fall short, you make sure somebody was, is there to lift me up mm-hmm. or, or cover that aspect of existence. So, um, it's like you said, we don't got time to learn how to farm our own shit. Like, we got lives that we busy living out here. You can only learn so But we skills. all have access to the <coughs> internet to learn what we need to learn personally to make our lives more efficient. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, you gave me the strategy for, like, you know, basically surviving on a budget with the food that we purchase. So, like, rice, beans, yep. onions, fucking... Uh, broccoli, bananas, peanut butter, and oatmeal. Like shit, everybody, I, I've, I've been, I'm a vegan. I've been a vegan for two years now. I love it. But look, eating healthy is not, it's not expensive. It's not because most of y'all ain't never tried. But when you're doing this, like, look, you have to, like, sometimes, like, I say you got to sacrifice. Like I say, look, I can't just get, I can't just go and get, you know, a whole rack of mangoes. I got other stuff to invest in. But you know what I can do? Let me figure out. Okay, I need to get all my body's nutrients. So that I got my vitamin A, C, D, beta carotene, you know, riboflavin, all that stuff. So let me set out a budget to where it's like, okay, I got the rice. I got the potatoes. I got the broccoli, the onions, the beans. I got some watermelon pieces. And this way, my grocery bill is only $150 every month. That saves me an extra $200 with my check at the end of the month to invest in my stuff. 
that will give me multiple streams of income so where you know what I can go to the store and get more I can go and do that and I can have more more time to myself to make more money but that took me sacrificing it took me I had to sit down and think okay I gotta really plan this out most people especially in the black community it's just I need it now I have to think in the future. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like was, way. It's interesting because you know that I had a podcast earlier and I asked the guy. I'm like, you know what? Why do you think that the reason why we we have that need it now mentality is because we're afraid that we probably won't be here tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Even though that's the exact reality. Mm-hmm. What I had to do is make the the mental adjustment and tell myself that I'm gonna be here 100 years. And you might laugh at me for that, or you might think it sounds crazy. But let me tell you, this is how winners think. Winners think long term. They assume that they're going to be here and they live their life as if they need to assume that. So, like, you know, me understanding that, you know, I'll be 36 in 10 years. Do I really want to be working at a nine to five in 10 years? What's the best way I can leverage what I have now and what's in front of me now to make sure that I'm never doing that again or I'm never at the bus stop at 40 and 50? Exactly. I have to start building something now, day by day, brick by brick. So, this is why I'm building a personal brand. You know, this is why you know we putting out content, mm-hmm. doing podcasts, doing our best to impact lives, so that way we don't have to, you know, what I'm saying we don't have to deal with those, you know, those challenges down the road. Because as you get older, just like Pac said, ain't no ain't no loudmouth thirty year olds. As you get older, that spirit and that will gets broken, you know, deeper and deeper. Even for me, being twenty six, sometimes it's tough on days where I just don't. I have to remind myself what I'm doing it for and why I'm in it. And I have to be able to motivate myself because to a degree you have to be self-motivated. Um, our Emerson talked about his self-reliance. You have to be able to do that for yourself at some point. You got to be strong. Exactly. You know, and uh, I call it, you know, just to add a little humor, I call it being a nut. And for me, being a nut is like, you know, I don't I don't care what nobody thinks. And I say like, you know, like the, like the guys in California say, I give a mad ass fuck. Like, my family can doubt me. People at this job can doubt me. They can call me crazy. But I know one thing. Like you say, I'm, I'm going to be here. I'm, I'm going to live to be 100. And I know damn sure I'm not working at this job. So you know what? I don't care what it takes me. I Look, I may not can have a day in life. Bill Gates ain't go on. He did not have a day off for 10 years building Microsoft. Years, no he he's sacrificed. And that's how I'm thinking. Like, you know what, bro? I'm going to be honest. Like, you know, in, I can get personal here, bro. I haven't seen my sister or my mama in months, bro. We gonna keep it 100. Haven't talked to my father at all. I, I had to cut people off because I realized they don't give a fuck. They don't truly want to have the life I want and they're not willing to sacrifice. It is so much pressure on me knowing that, bro, I am going to, but besides you and, you know, Kari, anybody else, bro, I'm gonna be the only millionaire in my side of the family. That's a lot of pressure. They ain't gotta live with this pressure. They cool with being regular. I'm not, cause I know I, if I say I deserve more, I gotta go get that shit. I think it's so amazing how we can grow up in these same households with like family members and be completely different human beings like like completely different like I can only imagine the type of household people think I come from when they meet me for the first time and I'm I'm giving them that first impression I'm like oh I know your parents raised you right and you know this and that you must have had money no nah man nah I was I was I was in the hood I grew up with people who didn't get it, who didn't realize shit. It was just the content that I chose to consume and the way that I choose to perceive what was happening. That's really the difference at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like You made a choice. You I made, made a, conscious it's, it's a conscious decision. So, like, understanding that the mind had power. Like, when was that When was that for you? When was that moment for you, understanding your thoughts could create, could influence your reality? 17. 
because that's when I like at 17 you know um I renounced Christianity I, I always felt something was wrong with that shit and then I felt like man like something just didn't seem right to me I always had this feeling as a child that something just ain't right about what what my family lives by and I always felt different I was you know researching stuff about you know cryptozoology and Bigfoot and stuff even though I don't look at that stuff no more I knew that was like okay I want to know more and at 17 it just hit me like I don't believe in none of this stuff. And then that, the first book I read was, i never forget, it was Napoleon Hill, How to... No, Napoleon Hill wrote uh, Think and Grow Rich, right? Yeah, he wrote Think and Grow Rich. And then Dale Carnegie wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People. But Think and Grow Rich was the first book I read because I had uh, heard about it through someone else right before I had got out of high school. That was what led me to become the avid reader that I am now. And ever since then, I've just been consumed. i got to read this, i got to read that, i got to apply this information. And another thing I noticed that, like, you know, um, drop a few statistics. They say most Americans haven't read a book, haven't bought any books in a uh, decade. Out of these statistics, they say blacks are the least likely to read books, but are the most likely to believe in conspiracy theories that have absolutely no basis or foundation. Let me say that again. Blacks are the least likely to read books, but are more likely to believe in conspiracies with absolutely no scientific foundation. So what does that tell you about the culture we come from? We'll believe in everything else except hardcore facts because we become so emotional. But I realize, bro, money don't give a fuck about your feelings. It it, it doesn't. Like, I remember we were talking about, you know, one of the, uh, the homies was talking about the flat earth stuff. And I was thinking, bro, how, first I was thinking, how is this going to make us rich? And so what? The, the earth, earth is yeah, How do flat earth theories produce income? And then where do we go from that notion? Like, And when I was talking to this guy, I'm literally thinking that that what he was telling me was true. Like, he was like, look, I went over to Africa. Where did he say he went? I he, think he said he went to Jamaica or South Jama- America. He went or to Jamaica, Jamaica. I went to Jamaica, and I looked across the ocean, and I didn't see in the horizon. I looked in the telescope. Man, that's an interesting story. Until like a year later, I heard a guy, another guy, tell me the same story. I'm like, so damn, both of y'all went to the same place in Jamaica and looked across the water and had the same experience. Get the fuck out of here. Right. That shit, man, look, it, it just gives you something to distract yourself with. So I ultimately get it, like when I fell into the Illuminati loop. That shit is endless, bro, and that shit will keep you occupied, literally. It's like, all right, look. You spent 30 years studying that shit. Now you 50. <laughs> and you know, you still, still, like, still ain't rich. You still, still poor. Like, what the fuck you, is you, doing? you working at four and you talking about, yeah, see the white man and the Zionists and the Council of 13 and the Rothschilds, but you you still work here. You you, you know all this stuff and you can say you enlighten the shit, but bro, you still work here. Still got child support debt from all them kids you had and then you're spending all your money. So, Really, you shouldn't be telling me nothing. You're the last person that needs to be telling me anything or telling a young black man about what it means to be successful because another thing I noticed, when you hear a lot of older black people talk about, you know, the Illuminati, this is just another formation of the victim mentality because you're basically saying that it's so hard, so you might as well not even try. But it's, it's good to know, though. It's good to just be aware of it. If There's no point in being aware of something and you're not if you're not going to use the knowledge to better your life. Yeah, exactly. Period. What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck is the point of knowing something if you're not gonna apply what you know? You know, like when I learned about the stuff, like I, I was talking to somebody at work. I was trying to give this one girl some uh, advice on helping her son out. Cause I said, I said, did you know that if you keep your credit, what's your credit score? And she was like, 
below 500, like a lot of black people. Mine, and you know, brag a little bit. Mine, I was surprised mine is almost 700 in the 690s. But I had to work to get this. I paid my bills consistently. And I told her, like, look, if you keep your credit good now and you put your son on your credit line, by the time he's 18, you keep your credit good, he will graduate with perfect credit and have access to stuff that he never thought. Like, instead of paying for prime, he could pay for it himself. If you want to do that, he can have access to $10,000 if you keep your stuff good. But at the end of the day, after I got done talking to her, she walked me out and realized I just wasted my time. I know she's not going to use it. I can, I can see it. So, like, yeah, at what know. point when you're having a conversation with people and, you know, you're trying to impact, at what point do you realize, like, all right, this person don't get it? Because Gary said, you know, he'll have they'll, – people will pay him millions of dollars to fly to their country and have a business meeting with them, and he find himself walking out in 10 minutes because he realized they don't get it. And he said, I spend zero time trying to convince anybody to believe what I'm saying. For me is when I see they're not taking notes. Like, if you don't write down at least something I'm telling you, maybe you're on the spot, but, like, jot dot it down on the notepad on your phone or something. Like, if somebody tells me to go look this up, and I'm really seeing, like, let me jot that down, let me go check that out. Because this person, they really could have something that I need to know. So, i never forget, this was at a, um, I was at a Motown Accelerator meeting for Motown Records in Detroit for a, a contest that had went on. And the people were giving advice on, you know, when you're when you're touring, when you're setting up shows, you got to do this, do that, and the third. I was taking notes, and I took that stuff down. Some of the stuff I already knew, but other stuff I was like, oh, I didn't know that. That can help me with my career as a musician and how I can give advice to other people. If it really matters that much to you, you got to take that down because I might not see this person again. I'm going to tell you an interesting experience I had the other day. You know, we was at work, and this guy I work with, um, you know, he was contemplating on leaving because um, – you know, there's an opportunity for him to be a funeral director for one of the largest funeral organizations here in America. Um, and he was like, you know, it makes a lot more money. And I told him, like, well, if you're doing that for the money, then you already lost. Like, I say follow passion. And so another guy chimed in, like, wait a minute, why are you listening to this, his, this guy? He's not rich. You should go after the money. And you know what? I had nothing else to say, you know, and it was a humbling experience. But I was like, I get it. You know, we need the teachers and preachers who are practitioners, and it's just hard to take advice from somebody that you don't perceive is, is in a better place than you are in a place that you want to be. So I get it. You know, so a lot of my advice might go over people's head or under their feet. You know what I'm saying? You never know. But I think the most important thing is is just understanding, like, if these principles have any solid grounding, like that somebody's trying to teach you. Like if a homeless guy out there on 94 holding up a sign is trying to give you some game, would you pull out your notepad and be like, I really wouldn't even give them the time of day, you know what I'm saying? So do you think that, like, it's harder to kind of, like, try to give people advice because of where we are right now in our careers? Do you think that's going to change as we get older and more established in our careers and, and have, you know, better, bigger brands? Will people start to take the advice that we spit out a lot more seriously? Oh, hell no. It's like yes, yes and no. If, like, me. Like I say, I've always, even as a kid, I just knew, like I say, with Christianity. I just went along with it, but I always felt like something is wrong. Something is wrong with this whole thing. And I started listening to other people who said, well, you know, that's bullshit, right? And, you know, check out the Council of Nicaea and check out, you know, the hidden uh, shit with, like, you know, the story of Adam and Eve and Owen oh, Lilith and all this stuff and uh, the Babylonians and the Sumerians. And I started researching this stuff because it was just... Thinking about it. It was, ins it was inside of me. 
And when I see uh, when I see other people, one thing I had to accept, and this is another hard lesson, a lot of y'all gonna have to accept is that, for example, it's an interview with old with old dirty bastard back in the nineties, and they had a telephone call call in, and the girl asked him, "What is your plan for the community?" And he honestly said, "Nothing," and everybody bust out laughing. He was like, "Look, I send love." And it made me think, like, you know what? I respect that because for a lot of these people, I just did a video and I said, look, I'm not going to force you to make your life better. I'm not going to force you to take this information. If you really don't want to do it, just fuck you. Because that's your life. If you truly want to stay in that condition, who am I to try to separate you from that? That is your reality. I'm not going to snatch you away from that. But just know, don't come crying to me when you say you need some help. Because like I said, like, the hardest part about being great, especially when it comes to being rich, you really have to be, you, you got to become cold a little bit. And you do have to just look past the suffering of others because it's like, look, if it truly matters to them, they'll do it themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I believe, like, you know, giving those people out there, you know, who asking for money, money is not going to do anything for them. I always believe that giving them inspiration is always a better deal. So mm -hmm. what I can do personally is create content that maybe their cousin or their son or them, them themselves can come across, get some inspiration from, and just make a better life decision. But mm -hmm. I want to thank you again, man, for coming on and, you know, dropping your jewels. Great to have you, and um, look forward to joining us again sometime. Anytime, anytime. It's always good. I love coming in. Hey, appreciate y'all. we catch y'all on the next one.